Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, Ghostbusters fans, and welcome to the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip Podcast. Yes, we are back talking about uh, Nick DeSemelian's Wild and Crazy Guys for our second and final uh, book club discussion with the Ontario Ghostbusters. On this week's show, we definitely do dive more into the Ghostbusters of it all, uh, talking about things that surprise us. We're also going to talk about the state of comedy, and after reading the book, what we feel will be lasting 30 years from now. Stay tuned, it's a fun discussion. Here we go. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keymaster? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! Wasn't this podcast about Ghostbusters? We'll get, we'll get there eventually. Well, that's yeah. Let's let's jump to the Ghostbusters stuff. We can we can begin part two of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> by talking about the Ghostbusters stuff in part two of, of the uh, Ghostbusters podcast. But yeah, Luckily, folks, this is Lawrence of Arabia. What in terms in terms of the Ghostbusters content? Because it is kind of peppered throughout the entirety of the book. It's not just relegated to you know. The, there's a crossing the streams chapter, and then there's a chapter about the sequel, but. You know, it does come up in, in other instances, but what about the Ghostbusters content? Were there were there things that you didn't know about the making of Ghostbusters or or any of that behind the scenes or even maybe the mindset of some of these people? You know, like, for example, Bill Murray being incredibly sleepy for the first few weeks of filming from uh, just getting back from Razor's Edge. And then, of course, everybody talks about how sleepy Bill Murray is in his performance. Huh, maybe that's uh, not a coincidence. Um, were, were there any of those types of things that you pulled from the book that were uh, were new to you? Things things that were were not known to you prior to reading the book? No. Not really. Nothing. Good night, folks. We're, we're talking on a Ghostbusters podcast. I think we've pretty much covered... I think you guys hit the nail on the head. This is definitely written with an eye towards people who don't know it. Yeah. And as we and all the lovely educated people out there listening to us know, we know these stories because we, we enjoy this content and we, we enjoy sharing these stories amongst ourselves. Um, I think that's part of the reason why Violet Ramis's book was so uh, amazing was because they are new stories. They are stories from a new perspective yeah. that we've never heard before. This, and, is a pretty, this is a pretty amazing book too. It's just that, as you say, the amazing stuff for us is all the revelations around Ghostbusters, not Ghostbusters yeah. specific. There was um, a couple in there, like uh, when Aykroyd was talking about um, the CEO of Coke hating the movie. Like, because again, from where we're sitting, all we saw was Ecto Cooler and, you know, the commercials with the, the Ecto and all that. Well, of course, but that was but that was the second one, I guess, they were pretty much in there yeah. by that time. But, but very early on, they're all like just going, well, that's not true because there was Ray Parker Jr. doing his... Uh, his uh, thirst buster coke ads and stuff like that. So yeah, they embraced it pretty quick. But initially, the guy at the head of the pyramid 
I was like, this sucks. And then, you know, quickly changed his tune when it hit the top spot for whatever it was. It's helping your stock prices. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say he kicked himself in the the behind for that one, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, so maybe this will get some discussion fueling, or it will be fuel for the discussion. Great syntax, I has. Um, but one of the things that I realized, and it kind of goes back to this all being lightning in a bottle, um, some of the things that influenced Ghostbusters that I wasn't quite aware of. So um, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, which uh, I have always uh, felt has been underappreciated, and I've always loved that film, but I didn't understand that it also had influence on Ghostbusters. I didn't put together that uh, John DeCure, production designer, and Michael Chapman, uh, cinematographer, uh, that was one of the first comedy films that the two of them had worked on, and of course, all of them uh, talking with one another and knowing one another. Uh, It's probably the reason that the two of them jumped onto Ghostbusters, Um, because we always talk about heavy metal being such a an influ- that's where Michael Gross uh, cut his teeth with uh, Ivan Reitman and, and the film industry and, and things like that but Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid I never really I, I, I didn't really know that that was kind of a, a, a stepping stone a building block uh, one of the bricks in the wall for Ghostbusters uh, until now and now I kind of want to go back and rewatch it and see if there's any other was influences I, was I hallucinating or did it mention in here that uh, what's her name the, uh, the costume designer was also on Dead Men Don't Wear Black. Uh, yes, yes, uh, Theone Aldridge. Um, yeah, yeah, it's because it, she was, she was, she. All three of them were a good carryover from the era they were spoofing <laughs> into this this weird hacked together uh, parody. Oh no, I, I'm sorry. Uh, it was Edith Head who was the costume designer that gets uh, mentioned Head, okay. on this. Yeah, so it wasn't Theone, but but the the concept yeah. is the same that they took all of these. Uh, air quotes uh, old Hollywood people that were you know uh, legends and put them on these <laughs> these comedy films uh, like Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid and then eventually Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and uh, the whole reasoning behind Elmer Bernstein doing the score for uh, you know Stripes and Three Amigos and Ghostbusters uh, that old Hollywood connection um, so I mean there, there were little things like that uh, again yeah uh, Solange, nothing like, oh my God, I didn't know that. That's crazy. But uh, those those little things that maybe maybe I knew, maybe I forgot about it. I don't know. It it did have – all the bits on Ghostbusters, though, were pretty heavy on what we were talking about uh, last episode, which was uh, – I've heard that anecdote a million times. Yeah, probably in Empire <laughs> From, Magazine or on uh, yeah. Empire Online. Yeah. Yeah, well, like, like to talk about uh, Isaac Asimov being pissed off at them for holding yeah. up traffic and stuff like that. It's like we've heard that one how many times now? Gee, okay, I figured out what shocked me in this book. Oh, oh what? yeah. Okay. I did not know the that price. someone. <laughs> it was free on Audible. Um, Young people use curse words. I did not know that um, John Landis had to go through that whole court case when someone died. I did not know this. And was editing in the evening uh, after the Twilight Zone accident. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that at all. And I was like, oh, damn, that's that sucks. I don't know. That was was super rough. Yeah. That and then the joke that um, that Eddie Murphy made because he didn't want to work with him or he was upset that he had to work with him again. And I was like, that's that's rough. That's Eddie. That's, yeah, funny enough though, uh, uh, 
Seinfeld uh, landed Eddie Murphy for an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and he outright asked him, who was, of everybody you've worked with, directors, who was the most fun to work with? He picked John Landis. Oh, how funny. With all the falling out they had, he, here we are, 2019, and he, he, he regarded working with Landis as the most fun he's ever had. It's such a side topic because I think it's hilarious that he doesn't seem like the type of person to me anyways, who would sit down and do an episode of comedians in cars getting coffee. And then I just saw that he's got a new movie coming out and I was like, Hmm. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's very much a reason why he, why. Yeah. Not only that, what's he got coming? Oh, it's a movie on Netflix. So it, it, I, I totally get how they managed to hook that one together, but, uh, he, wasn't that guarded he didn't talk about the new one really at all and it was just a straight up talk about comedy and that was the thing that surprised me like i said i yeah, the way the book makes it sound you wouldn't imagine that he would say anything about landis if he didn't have to and he asked yeah. you know, he just said straight up you know what was the who was the most fun to work with and he went landis like well i think it's the, also the source of a, probably a lot of the interviews is the empire magazine so that's not run on everyone got along. There was no controversy in this at all. <laughs> That's Everything very was true. fine. Yeah. <laughs> it, like it's run on that. Now I'm not saying there couldn't have been problems or terrible things said, but it's also potentially overblown a little. And then again, it, it's 20 years in the past. So you're looking back on that and you're just going to remember the good times. <laughs> Did you guys know about the the Jimmy's restaurant thing? The anecdote that they brought everybody together for a dinner at Jimmy's restaurant for Ghostbusters Two, because that that was also something I I had flagged. Yeah. As like I don't think I knew that. No, I think I, I remember knowing there was a meeting, but I didn't know it was. It sounded so fun. Yeah, that they they made a big to do of it and uh, put put a bunch of the product uh, and and hung it up on the walls just to make them like look at the influence of this thing. Um, that, that was new to me. Uh, I also am looking right now to see if Jimmy's still exists. Why didn't I do that earlier? Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm trying to find the specific Ghostbusters stuff here and going back. I remember we were talking last episode about how scattershot some of this, these things are gold to us now, but they weren't. It's not like they were plotted out like a Hitchcock movie to you know to the last decimal place. Like they really kind of came together through whimsy and luck and charisma and all that. And Ramus has a uh, not Ramus Moranis has a quote in here about not knowing uh, what kind of success Ghostbusters would be. And he has the quote: "It felt like we were just shopping for ingredients, and maybe Ivan knew what was for dinner." <laughs> <laughs> That's. That's right. I forgot about that too. That yeah. That's a fantastic, fantastic quote. I, I certainly didn't have a handle on it. They they were nice people, and it was a fun character to do. But it wasn't the same kind of fun as SCTV, where you're doing volumes of material in a day. It wasn't the fun of a Mel Brooks movie, where everybody's so broad. It was its own kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. So one part, it was its own animal, so nobody knew where it was going to end up. And one part, yeah, like. Bill Murray not reading the script, you know, reading it in the specifically reading it in the limo as he's brought up to his first day of shooting for the first time. He's he's looking at it, stuff like that. It's just, yeah, not big surprises. Just some reinforcement of some stuff. 
Yeah. Did you find it with Jimmy's? I, did, I regret to inform you that it was uh, closed down in January of 2000, so we're, oh. uh, we're too late. Road but trip canceled. Road no. trip canceled. We're just going to have to go to the In-N-Out Burger. No. I don't have a problem with that. It, no, nor do they I. They have nuggets? No. <laughs> no, they don't no. have nuggets, but it has fond memories of when we went to the premiere, and I like it. Oh. <laughs> See that? Thanks. I mean, they they do really enforce the the cultural phenomenon that was Ghostbusters, and it does get a few snide remarks about the McDonald's cups and things like that. But I, I mean, it it does paint Ghostbusters in a pretty pretty huge positive light, which is always nice. A little positivity goes a long way in this day and age, especially in this book, as you mentioned. It's very uh, e true Hollywood story about the controversies and things like that. <laughs> well, nice I'm pretty sure things. if they painted Ghostbusters in any sort of negative light, we would have ruined someone's childhood. Uh, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Um, so That's my ongoing joke for this. <laughs> <laughs> what Are you suggesting that child... deal with that a lot, and I think she's entirely right to vent <laughs> any way she likes. So no ladder, huh? No, no, no. This is a ladder-free zone. Oh, my God. Thank you very much. Please stop. <laughs> it's uh, so it's hard just... to try to not see some of these pictures. Uh, okay, we're not, we're not talking about the pictures. We're talking about the book. But I, I'm in a prime position just to... This is my revenge. Yes. I'm going to pick on anyone. Against the world. So, yeah. Ladder what are you zone. selling against, Solange? <laughs> ruined childhoods apparently so so i think so let's talk about ruined childhoods let's 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 discuss that no let's not discuss that chevy's um, chase's childhood was ruined chevy chase's yeah he had a pretty rough childhood uh, it sounds like a lot of these uh gentlemen that they focus on had pretty rough childhoods um but but compensated in other ways focusing on comedy uh john candy you know it sounds like his mother uh f- fed him well uh which was what i took away from this but that's that's because it's cold up here we need to you know yeah this makes we sense insulate for the winter uh but it, what do you... it's in the food yeah <laughs> that's how we get these comedians the food yeah, to make sure is they that... don't die in the cold yeah. is that why i'm the combination of robin williams speaking t- tone the comic sensibilities of a Belushi brother and the physique of uh, Hitchcock. It's the food. The food. It's the food. Yeah, it's got to be the food. Yeah. We were talking about dunking Troy in a vat of maple syrup earlier. Like, come on. And I bet I would smell great for weeks. Just let's let's do that. It's uh, that little that little fat kid in Willy Wonka. They tell him not to eat his fingers, but he can't stop because he tastes so good after he falls into the chocolate vat. <laughs> Where, where are we? What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, it's derailed. We've been derailed. So, yeah. So, I mean, so here we are. We're, you know, 35, 40 years removed from a lot of the events that have occurred in this this book. Um, what is that putting how much of, of what occurred in the past is putting any perspective that's happening on the future? Uh, either generations of comedians that have come and passed. Uh, I'm thinking of, you know, like the Adam Sandler, Mike Myers uh, generation, were they influenced by these guys? Um, are are a current generation influenced by them? Will future generations be influenced by them? Or Because I kind of got this weird 
like I, I feel like I'm reading about the uh, the Bob Hope era. You know, if if I'm if I'm uh, my daughter reading this book, it's like, oh, those are those old comedies. Do you think that that's how people are going to look at this, or is it still going to have the same cultural relevance of uh, twenty, thirty years from now? I think it. I think it depends on the person, right? Because yeah, it's a. If I'm gonna, I'm assuming when your daughter becomes older you're going to introduce her to all the things that you love, which would include movies made by these guys. Yeah. And if she's in that environment, she'd probably be more susceptible to that type of comedy or that kind of genre or that kind of movie later on. Whereas if the only thing she's subjected to is like SNL now, and you go and show her ghostbusters, she's probably, it's not going to resonate with her. I think it depends on the environment that you're in and, what you grew up on essentially. Well, and, and is in this current 2019 climate is a movie like the jerk, uh, still edgy is a, is a movie like, uh, animal house still edgy or has it kind of become, uh, desensitized? Is it, is it not, does it not hold the it, same edge that it it's had? It's absolutely before? desensitized. Yeah. yeah animal it's house beyond is my... absolutely. It, yeah. it's, cannot i cannot say enough how much it is because animal comedy house is, is like my neighbors upstairs hmm. that's it animal house is my neighbors upstairs and that's not funny because that stuff keeps me up at night <laughs> <laughs> um I, it, I will this seems like a good place to throw in that steve martin himself kind of saw your question coming there Troy. yeah well and it's, i was, yeah, I was hoping you yeah i yeah, mean like nose he, wink to yeah well he 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 both it both goes towards his decision to change his persona, but uh, what did he say here? So being interviewed in 1987, I think when we look back at all the foul humor of the last few years, I don't think it's going to last. It's going to look dated and tacky, which is when he decided he was going to start working clean. So he ditched the jerk and all that. And that's when he shifted over to like LA story and so on. Yeah. But we have foul humor now too. Yeah. he said that like a week before South Park came out. Yeah, but what he's talking about is like what are the parts of Ghostbusters, for example, that haven't aged well? Like uh, Bill Murray's uh, bits Thorazine? and pieces of Thorazine. Thorazine. Funny at the time, but kind of, no, does not age well at mm. all. Uh, him being kind of weirdly pushy uh, when he's going over to her apartment. Things, things like that. Getting on just, the grad student. Yeah, that's yep. not even the that's not even the 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 super raunchy stuff, right? Like Ghostbusters is mild compared to you know, I think he's talking about more specific. He's probably even talking about some of his stuff, like you know, the jerk and all that too, right? But uh, uh, yeah, it's not to say that foul and, and raunchy wouldn't necessarily go away. I think it just kind of shifts what well, would be regarded that way. It comedy is always evolving. Yeah. So the, it's always changing into something new and different. It changes with the culture and then is changed by the culture and it in a great big pull me, push you type of thing. And there's yeah. always the extreme that we kind of need to push. I think the, the South Park guys actually put it best. It's either all okay or none of it is okay. You can't arbitrarily draw mm. a boundary where you can make a joke about this thing, but you cannot make a joke about that thing um and it just accelerates so to speak to solange's point earlier uh if you were to show a child 
you know, 80s comedies earlier, and then as they grow up, you advance them through the decades, and then say, well, now we're here, and this is comedy. Perhaps they would look back on that 80s comedy and go, yeah, that's funny, because I can appreciate where we are now. Whereas if you show someone who has grown up in the current culture something from the 80s, they're going to look at that and go, wow, this is kind of tame and dated and odd, and why are they doing this? Because this seems weird. Why does he have a pledge pin on his uniform? I I don't know. I think I I see your point, but the thing is, that's what society does: is it 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 arbitrarily decides on lines, and those lines are are changing all the time. It's not, it's never that it's necessarily one upping itself uh, constantly, sort of thing. Like, well, um, I think, I think it kind of does. I think, it, well, and I think it's through comedians that that is pushed. That's that's a very oh, yeah. It is a long-term historic but, thing, but it goes back. Sometimes it goes backwards. Sometimes it, it the the push oh. d- it doesn't matter anymore by the time you get to the end of it. Like look at the jackass guys. Some of the most transgressive stuff we had for a five-year period was the shit they were doing on MTV. That was, hmm. and that was pushing reality TV massively. But now here we are. All the all the reality TV stuff that's on network television is singing shows and and dating games and the only thing that's left of the the uh the jackass guys is kids on youtube doing their quote unquote stunts which has nothing to do with shoving dinky cars up your ass or anything like that or jumping off a cliff (laughs) instead it's them going i'm gonna sit at a tub of slime for 24 hours and kids love it right like the the yes but they're getting that because of jackass i mean I, I am not a parent, anymore, so I'm not entirely sure how much kids would just do that anyway. But they but wouldn't have put is, it on YouTube. They might not have put it out there for mass consumption I if know, it wasn't the, like. Oh no! Okay, let's 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 make it very clear here. I'm not saying you couldn't get there, or you could get there without Jackass. I'm not. I'm not taking away what they did or what they pushed. But the point is, is the line where they pushed to. A lot of it then got redrawn backwards. Like nobody's doing all that vomiting into one another's mouth stuff anymore. Yes, but like, they got there from the push, and maybe the yeah. push wasn't sustained, See, and that's, I, that's I, always I, true. I, I feel like we're well. I'm not feel like we're, we're dancing know. around the same subject. No, more more like we're arguing two different points. I absolutely agree with you what you're saying. That's not what I'm saying. Like so, okay. You know, there was a period of time where, uh, you know. Any any reference to uh, you know uh, sex, divorce, all that sort of stuff, off limits, not funny, and then people pushed it through, and um, it, you know we're here now, and not, all of that stuff. Well, it's almost like it pushed to the point where it's not even funny anymore. Like the there was the point where it's transgressive to do, uh, you know. Uh, like what was the like again the the raunchy eighties uh, teen sex comedy? Uh, I think those died out about what two thousand and one. I can't think of too many of yeah, them. Yeah, after American uh, Pie, probably I would guess. Well, there's a whole yeah. slew of of raunchy teen comedies after American Pie. Yeah, but then, but that was they, sort of the tail end of it. Twenty ten ish. Yeah, yeah, but there's no, but they're not running at the mainstream like from the eighties to the no. early two thousands. No, for uh, sure. An argument could be made, like for horror movies as well. Eighties to nineties horror movies, holy crap! And they're still making lots of horror movies today, but they're not running them through theaters the way they used to. 
we're not seeing the amounts they've, they've and part of that i guess you could look at streaming like shutter and netflix and all that you don't have to shove them out you don't have to worry about getting them into distribution into a theater you just put them out on streaming but again that means the niche goes and finds it but the mainstream doesn't find it anymore so i'd say horror movies i think everything that we're talking about there's probably lots of it more of it being made every year that's ever been before it's just you know we're not in a three like some of the earlier stuff black and white era stuff like we're talking about landis and them talking about what or Ackroyd loving the bowery boys and all that they saw all that stuff just because that was the stuff that three channels on television the executives decided that was the stuff that was most interesting or most likely cheap enough to buy and throw on the air to fill space and that's how they got to see it because it they missed it in the theaters and all that or the universal monster. Like there's a whole generation of guys in their like late fifties, early sixties, huge universal monster fans. Oh, not because they saw them in the thirties. They weren't there. Uh, they saw them because they it got bundled and put on television for late, you know, the stuff that they stayed up as 10 year olds to watch on television sort of thing. So, 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 uh, that, so that, that makes me want to ask the group a question. Do we feel like, a movement, a focused movement, you know, everybody talks about they turned on SNL. I think it was Steve Martin's direct quote where he says, I turned on the TV, I saw SNL, and I said, my God, they did it. Does that exist now with as many different media platforms and all the different styles of comedy that we have now? And is there an opportunity for another movement like the one that's described in this book to occur in 2019 or 2020? Or is that not possible with just how much how how much of a massive quantity of content there is can we can we not have a generation that's all influenced by snl the way that uh, maybe people in the 90s and 2000s were or or how these guys were influenced by monty python and all of the things that you just talked about the bowery boys and the the stooges and the marx brothers because that was the only thing that they saw now, when you have, like you said, the jackass uh, group uh, or uh, people on YouTube or you like this particular YouTube uh, influencer and you like this particular TV show or you watch uh, this this streaming platform, is is this possible now or or is this like we've just be, we've hit critical mass? I want to say we've hit critical mass only because I feel that the type of content that's being generated, whether it be Netflix, YouTube, Shutter the actual cinema just feels so rushed. And I think that's, that might be just me. Cause I'm a huge, like I love everything about the making of the actual thing. And then the, what comes after when it comes to films, TV, everything like that. And I feel like we've just hit that point where we're not getting that same lightning in a bottle moment anymore. With that. I disagree. Yeah. You disagree, you would disagree. Why do you disagree, I would disagree with I haven't talked for a little bit, so I wanted to say something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I mean, like... I, I do actually... I actually do take an opposing view, though. Okay. Like, I mean, like, there's there are good movies that come through, and then there's good movies just for, like, the sake of them being, like, mass product. Like, the, the Marvel movies, for example, right? They're huge. They're massive. They work on that scale. And then you've got little things that trickle through that I really like. Like, um, let's say, for example, it has nothing to do with comedy, but Dunkirk. Like, filmed really well. The story was relatively simple. There wasn't a crazy amount of dialogue. It was very visual. Like, the sounds, like, things like that compared, like, 
it wasn't a crazy massive box office hit, but it was such a good movie. Well, that's and not I don't think... everybody saw Dunkirk. That's the problem is it's like, yeah, E.T. came out. Everybody saw it. Trading Places came out. Everybody saw it. Uh, but now Dunkirk came out. Not everybody like there's you don't have that attention span either, which I I think it's it's just you need to look at it differently uh, in a couple of ways. I think. We have a lot more niche comedy now because we have a lot more avenues to be explored. In yeah. the early uh, 30s, if you weren't good enough to get on one of the big networks, no one saw you. So you had yeah. to be good enough to get on the big networks. Now, are you able to put up a video on YouTube? Will 12 people like it? Those 12 people are your audience. And you can make whatever comedy you like for those 12 people. I think yeah. we still, though, have match, massive cultural touchstone events for comedy, for culture, that do impact us. The difference is we do not all see it within a month period at the cinema. Yeah. We all come to it on our own. Hmm. And my uh, statement or my example of this is if you go to any forum and you ever see a... Uh, gif or a picture that instantly relays a statement if you ever see like robert downey jr rolling his eyes after a comment you don't need to be explained what that's from and you don't need to be explained what that means you know it it's yeah. changed culture you didn't I... have to see that moment though to get it in a limited time frame you came to it on your own but everyone still knows that i Never sat down and watched the U.S. office, uh, and that's as somebody who who bought and owned the U.K. office before it even hit over here. I never watched much Parks and Rec. I know quite a bit about those two shows based solely on the animated GIFs people put up on yeah. <laughs> online. In the same way, yeah. you can know the plot of Casablanca or The Godfather without ever ever having seen them. Because yeah. it's osmosed into the culture. It's the same thing with major comedy events or cultural events now. You don't have to necessarily see them in the time frame a movie company or a television network wants you to see it. Because everything lives forever on the internet. And you are allowed to surf at your own leisure. We're just less aware of it because it yeah. doesn't hit as, as like a meteor impact. It's less like, lightning in a bottle and more just a subtle... Constant electrical execution. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, remember you you're you're uh, we talked about this. You're a taped off of television Ghostbusters kid. Yeah. Like so when you say when trading uh trading places came out and everybody went to see it, it's because yeah, they all heard it was good and if they wanted to see it, they better go see it in the first three weeks, lest it leave. And then they have to wait uh, a couple of years before it gets its television debut. You may or may not have a way to tape it. And buying it on home video was, you know, still years and years out. Or you could buy it, you know, five years down the line, but it was going to cost you 60 to $110 because you had to buy through the same distributors as the video stores. So now we're in an era where no, not many people saw Dunkirk in theaters, but then how many of them saw it when it hit iTunes? And how many of them will pick it up over the years because it's on Netflix and they're looking for something to watch, right? Like it's... It's 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 kind of a different animal, but I don't I don't think it works necessarily differently. And I think to Briley's point, 
there's a bunch of people uh, like Eric Andre and Hannibal Buress. If it wasn't for the fact that Eric Andre, you know, with uh, uh, Adult Swim or whatever, that one weird little late night outlier of, you know, the of <sighs> did it grow out of Cartoon Network? I can't remember, but it's this weird polyp like offshoot of those Atlanta cable channels, and they gave Eric Andre a chance to do this very bizarre show, and. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go, but uh, Hannibal it's Barres is certainly taking off from it uh, more and more. Or um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I think it, that's it, to be applauded because yeah. we get so many more perspectives and chances to uh, express ourselves through comedy and through culture that way. I mean, in the eighties, someone like Hannibal Barres would never be allowed to to be that kind of out there character. That would never happen. They'd be so scared people would be upset about it. Yeah, now. And, and actually, here's the thing. Like, if you look at Kids in the Hall or SCTV before them or even SNL, they filled a spot where the, the networks just didn't really care about what was there. They got their shot because, you know, are you going to cost a, a billion dollars? No. Fine. Go do it. And they got to go do it. Now, that same thing's being applied. It's just that the places to do that are all over the place now if you uh, you know so you can look at guys like Bill Hader Bill Hader not necessarily uh, on the uh, Cherry Chase Bill Murray into movies track off of SNL I love Bill uh, Hader yes but here's the thing Bill Hader got to go to HBO and yeah. pitch Barry and Barry's awesome and Barry mm-hmm. is a show wouldn't get picked up even like 10 years ago like um yeah or on the flip side of that will forte goes to fox and does last man on earth which is a completely and totally different style of humor but yet these guys came from the school same school of comedy or same school of thought and not only that it gives them more of an avenue like when chevy chase hit uh movies and then it started flopping where does he go he doesn't. He's he's in Hollywood, and Hollywood still at the times like, well, if you go down to television, that's it. You're stuck in television. Now all these guys are like, make my project, thanks, and then yeah. they're like, make this second project, and they go no, and they're like, great, well, I'm going to Netflix. Netflix, take my show, done. Right? Like, there's no if, such thing as Netflix movie jail anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They never have to stop. Uh, if they can't find an outlet one place, they'll just move over someplace else. Or it gets even weirder when you factor in the amount of stuff that we're starting to show, see show up on Netflix and especially cable channels and stuff like that grown out of like podcasts where comedians just went, I've got a really stupid idea and they do it as a podcast and then they pitch that around as a show, right? Like, uh, wait, we can do that. Oh. I was going to say, are you <laughs> announcing the cross rip show on Netflix? Is that happening? Who plays <laughs> you? Who Nobody plays Troy? <laughs> Troy's got a, a Troy's got a face for television. I do not have a face for television. So, uh, so who plays but, you? Uh, well, Brett Butt. Is, <laughs> that's pretty obvious. Forget that. Who plays or us? Rip Taylor. That's right. <laughs> um, or like Comedy Bang Bang. Comedy Bang Bang is a perfect example, right? Like years as a podcast, and then they moved it over to one of the comedy uh, channels. Tweaked it a little bit, but doing the same stupid. Everybody, you know, bring, invite their friends on to just, and that's the other thing. Guys like Pat Oswalt and all that, who are often running as like script doctors and landing their own, 
you know, Patton Oswalt's, Oswalt's across the board, right? Well, half his stuff is comedy. Half his stuff is like, you know, uh, drama stuff. And then when that, you know, stopped, he went back to television and he did Marvel and then straight comedy stuff. And then in between, he's over on, you know, uh, Scott Ackerman's shows. It's just, so I don't know. It's, in some ways, it feels like max saturation. But the cream always has to rise to the top, right? Like, maybe There's maybe always word just... about Maybe that's just it for me then, because I'm very, I don't know, I'm very old souled that way. And I feel like I just feel overwhelmed. And I don't think that everything is as hilarious or as funny as people make it seem out. Like, I, I'm i not a fan of Parks and Rec. I'm not a fan of The Office. There's a couple chuckles here and there, but it's not something I'm going to binge watch every Saturday. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just. And that's okay. That's it's, fine. You like, have that's... a separate sense of humor, but that's why the the separate niche uh, approach is so versatile because there are people who find that hilarious. Yeah. There, just as the same, there are people who found Jackass hilarious, and others who were like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." Exactly. There that's are what, people who yeah. looked at SNL and went, "This is hilarious," and there's a whole bunch of people who went, "I don't get it, and it's not funny." That I love me some superheroes. I do not read all the comics that come out. Sometimes friends go, you should try this. It's great. And I try it. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then sometimes I'm like, eh, it's not my thing. And I think comics are kind of a, 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 a good discussion parallel for what we're talking about in, in, you know, television and film right now. There's just so many, but that's, that's not the point. That just means there's more to choose from. Yeah, And I, I still think, yeah, well, sometimes it's, here's the thing. There's always been mainstream. So word of mouth will always, you know, the stuff that lots of people are reacting to, like Stranger Things and all that. Or Stranger Things is a good example of things that people are, are responding to, not only because they're good, but because a lot of money is thrown at making sure you've heard of them and go check them out. But word of mouth, like Barry's not exactly, Barry's getting word of mouth around, but it's not being heavily advertised or anything like that. The flip side then is I remember in the 80s, you know, we didn't really have access to anime and there was a couple of stores in in Calgary, and I'd go to I'd, you know go, you know, rent stuff that you you couldn't get at the regular video store. wasn't on television anywhere, but I'd read about in Starlog magazine or something. And I feel like that's for everything that's not mainstream. This wide landscape of streaming and cable and all that. It's uh, uh, YouTube. That's where these weird little hole in the wall niche things are. You, you like. The world doesn't know about Pete Holmes doing Batman, but Batman is some of the funniest stuff I've seen in the last 10 years, right? So, and it, it only exists because he just did it for a lark and put it up on YouTube. Yeah. So. Well, and uh, so I guess the question, and I, I feel like maybe I'm in your camp then, Solange, is like... <sighs> I had a feeling you would be. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I, I just, like, 30 years from now, in 2050, when somebody's sitting down trying to write the story of the state of comedy in 2019, 2020, um, is it possible? Can can we, because of, in, in the discussion that we just had, it seems like there are so many different avenues, so many different things, and I know we're retreading some ground here, but I, I'm just curious if you think 30 years from now we can pinpoint something or is it too hard to see it without some distance on it? I mean, in, in the eighties, you obviously knew that you were living in this larger than life comedian era because these guys were rock stars. They went to New York city and, and ghostbusters regalia and, 
everybody knew who they were. Eric Andre, you know, uh, there are people that love Eric, uh, but I don't know that he could necessarily go to New York City and be treated as a rock star like these guys did. So is is it even possible? Can can it's, Wild and Crazy Guys 2 happen in 30 years? Yes and no. It can happen. Uh, It'll be boring. I was going to say, if you were to write that book or this book now, who would be your feature players? Right. So Internet YouTubers. <laughs> no, but uh, like say you do uh, the 90s, early 2000s, Will Ferrell, uh, Ben Stiller, Chris Farley. Chris Farley is the most exciting part of that that three names I just listed, yeah. right? But Will Ferrell is not exactly – the thing is, is I there's the book. Somebody's going to have to look at the difference between you know the early – the 70s and 80s guys and why they were so broken and you know and so rock and roll and punk rock and just uh, just so nuts and then we roll into like you know bill Hader and will ferrell and tina fey and there's nothing they're great and they're awesome and maybe even more funny than those early guys because they still have that raw talent and they have like a certain <sighs> professionalism je ne sais quoi. Like, now i was thinking more like it's almost like the generation that came after all followed and this may be why a lot of them point at and reference kids in the hall and SETV and all that like they seem to follow that path of 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 canadianism when it comes to, to comedy like, like nobody hates Bill Hader, right? Nobody seems to hate Will Ferrell all that much. Like this, I don't I, like him. You don't have to like him, but my point is, is it's like it's not like if if Will Ferrell is Chevy Chase and he's nowhere near Chevy Chase, who's is Bill Murray, right? Like uh, all we hear John about C. is Riley? John C. Riley. John C. Riley. No, they no, get along. They love one another. <laughs> oh, on camera, but when Wild and Crazy uh, Guys Two comes out, I, I'd scandal. Pay to see that. <laughs> my point is though is that and they're all rising you know rising stars in very different ways the, the rest of them wanted to be capital s stars and then you're looking at guys like will ferrell who uh i mean hell even adam sandler for <laughs> uh adam sandler did kind of sort of the same thing as those guys that came before him and then it, it didn't matter whether it worked or not because in the background he was producing so many things. He he like he could never, never spend the money he's made, sort of thing. Like it's just Tina Fey is the same thing. How many things or or uh, Amy Poehler or any of them? Like uh, we can all point at the super funny stuff they've done, and then in the background they've also done all this more Hollywood producer executive type stuff as well. I guess that may be the second book, like this weird. Well, and, and third all, wave comedy. I don't like, know. Yeah, all the examples that you that you were just throwing out there are still SNL cast members. Like there hasn't been, uh, uh, to Briley's point, the internet, YouTube, uh, streaming media. Yeah. Uh, but there hasn't been a a a. Uh, a, a bed from which all of these people have have risen. No, no, it's a, like it's a it's a fair point that at the the foundation of the second book is still SNL, very much like the foundation of the first book is largely SNL based. There's no two ways around it. SNL, as long as SNL keeps plugging along, SNL is going to have this because you look at them and, you know, as you learn about them, 
all these people are coming through the same channels that they all came through before, you know, the groundlings and, and all that sort of thing, SET or, you know, second city, they don't really kick off until they hit SNL. And that's just because the machines built there. Now they show yeah. up, they get, they, they test, you know, they cut their chops there. But that's it. It's a and machine. Then, it's, it's yeah, become then, a machine. It's not the, the yeah, groundbreaking and, thing that it was. And Lauren is there to throw them out into movies and some will work and some won't. And, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I think if there's anything, it's kind of unusual that we had a very compact period of SNL, SCTV, and then without too much of a gap between the ending of one, uh, Kids in the Hall starting. Yeah. And then Kids in the Hall is kind of the end, right? Once uh, Dave Foley and all that moved to network television and all that, that's kind of where that era ended. S- SNL continued, but that, that old era kind of ended and it, it, it shifted its way over to whatever it was about to become. Well, so, I I mean, yeah, I... I... We, I think we could talk about the current state of comedy for far too long here, and I know we want to bring things to a close. Tune in next Tune week. Tune in for part three of... It's uh, funny. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good closing thought discussion topic, and even in what I wrote here, trying to, like, what lessons did we learn from this book? And it's like, well, don't do coke and stay off the pills. <laughs> I was going to say, don't do no. drugs. Tell me um, this. Uh, but... Where were you in the early 2000s? <laughs> so, I, I mean... In terms of closing thoughts, uh, and and Briley, we'll we'll start with you. Um, you know what 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 are <laughs> why? <laughs> I wonder why. Technical issues aside, but uh, wait, where? I mean, what are you taking away from this book? I mean, if if you were to tell people about this book uh, off of this this here book club, um, what are some of the things that you've taken away from it, or what will you kind of apply to uh, to every day? I started conversation talking about how very much I felt nostalgic but also just yeah there's a reason I I put that you know yeah je- you said jealousy I think you said nostalgic and jealous yeah. right like I I was a young comedian and these were my heroes these were the people I wanted to be right and at the time it was very much a well i will do as they do uh briley we're catching every other word hang on one second <laughs> can you just can you Zoom. just send us a text file of your answer and we'll insert you like Stephen hawking <laughs> you've oh never seen God. will bill Hader punch somebody <laughs> You're gonna... you've never seen will smith <laughs> this is the this is the verbal equivalent when a kidnapper cuts out a whole bunch of stuff on the newspaper <laughs> and sends it to the victim. Yeah. <laughs> Your glue stick is dry is what you're trying uh, to say. No. Uh, uh, Will Forte doesn't punch people because they don't <laughs> like comedy that he likes. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I am very glad I got out of this life because it was killing me. But at the same time, I cannot help but look at some of these successes. Some of these people, like your Bill Murray, like your Steve Martin, who are enjoying the fruits of hard-won labor and kind of go, man, I could have been professionally funny. All I had to do was kill myself. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Eddie Eddie Murphy was the start of that. It seems like like he was this the professional comedian that had to look at these guys and say, "Well, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be uh, f- totally focused on it and kill myself to get it." And uh, and it, yep. it didn't didn't go well either. Um, he still fizzled out oh, as well. Even then, I think it takes a certain type of person to be a comedian, uh, generally, and very few people can manage it uh, long term. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting to hear a, a comedian's perspective on it. Uh, I, yeah, you know, former, former comedian. I'm not funny anymore. I'm very no, not we. We don't find you funny, Briley. I know you have me here for my fantastic ass. <laughs> that's, that's Canada's <laughs> and my ass. Robot there. impression. Yeah. That's Canada's <laughs> ass. Yeah, that is Canada's ass. Uh, um, so, Solange, how about you? Uh, again, you know, we, less lessons learned are very difficult uh, from this book, but. Um, what, what, what are you taking away from, from having read it? Um, oh my gosh, that's the best way. I think it's, again, coming from someone who didn't get to experience all these things in their, in their like prime when they were happening. It's kind of neat to see that retrospective and how things have changed over time and how some things that work now or then don't work now. Um, and, and really how, how self-destructive the human being can be yeah. <laughs> like to themselves. Yeah, totally. Like even just speaking in like, we didn't talk about him too much, but um, John Belushi just, yeah, like it's sad. Things like that are sad. Like we talked about Chevy Chase's childhood, things like that are sad. And it just almost, it almost humanizes them in a way. Cause we see celebrities on this pedestal all the time. Doesn't matter if they're, you know, comedians or A-list celebrities, and they, it humanizes them a little bit to see them struggle and to see how they do these amazing things. And I don't know, it just made them seem more human yeah. to me. Yeah, well, and Belushi tried to clean up, like, the, the whole Continental Divide uh, part really got to me, where, you know, he took the movie to go up to the mountains and get away from all of his vices to try and turn things around. Um so it's yeah, yeah. You, you you see them once, once you're an addict you're never really not an addict you can just manage it better yeah yeah that's uh, uh, yeah the the self-destructive quality i mean that's that's why you look at like martin short or um steve martin and you're like oh you uh you found a way out of it some way somehow um but I think I think at one point I turned to my wife while I was reading it and I was like, "Did you know that John Belushi was four years younger than I am now when he died?" That's kind of weird to think about, but uh, yeah, uh, Chris, how about you? What uh, your your sort of uh, closing out thoughts here on the book? Um, my closing thoughts are Briley is Canada's ass, and I mean that in the way that you think it means. Um, <laughs> I think I think the thing that I most walked away from the the it, it, I read it, it it's a fast read there was kind of a lot to chew on but it didn't it didn't take a lot to chew through it mostly it meant integrating what I learned from the book in with what I thought I knew about things but I think mostly the lasting thing that I walked away with is I have a laundry list of movies now yeah that I either want to go back and rewatch or that I completely ignored like I've never seen Neighbors all the way through like I think I caught it channel surfing for a couple of minutes and I never sat down and watched it. Now I'm fascinated to see the movie where Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi sat down and said, this is good, but what if we switched places? <laughs> like, 
like to see the movie where they decided that Dan Aykroyd was going to be the, you know, to touched on the, the title, the wild and crazy one. And John Belushi was going to play straight man. Yeah. Like what? Now I got to see it because now I know where their headspace was a little bit more at the time that they made that movie. Uh, and that's just one example. Like the book is kind of like, now I want to go back and rewatch the, uh, Beverly Hills cop and, and, um, uh, 48 hours and things like that. Like the bar scene that they, the, the amount of time they, they put like three or four pages talking about whether Eddie Murphy could carry a movie. And then they do the, uh, the bar scene. And I think it's 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. When he goes into the cowboy bar and yeah. And they were like, Oh my God, like, no, that's never going to make it. And even execs going for no, 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 no. But it just hit people so hard. Now I'm like, I kind of remember it, but, I got to go back and watch it again now. So that's what I got out of it is it actually reinvigorated me to go back and watch a lot of, uh, 80s comedy stuff. <laughs> Even the little things like I vaguely recall seeing bits and pieces of Dr. Detroit on the <laughs> drive-in theater screen when I was like all of five or something. Uh, because I listened to an, uh, a fifties or sixties era, uh, radio ad about come to the drive-in, you don't need a babysitter. Like, the selling point was, kids watch the first movie, they conk out, you can watch the second one. So I somehow was still awake through Dr. Detroit, which I probably should not have been uh, was, awake. Yeah, for. maybe that was not a good thing. <laughs> but I have no recollection of it, right? And and when we did the Dan Aykroyd mix uh, there a uh, few episodes back, I watched the the trailer and I was like, I no, I've never seen this. Why have I never seen this? Now I need to see this, especially since the book puts it into a context, like uh, you know where he was at heading into it, yeah. what the response was to it, all that sort of thing. So yeah, and and again, you don't get to I mean, Ghostbusters without th- those steps either. That's the exactly you know, um, exactly. Yeah. How about you, Troy? I, I mean, I, I am kind of actually yes, token American. Yes, token American. Answer the question. I continue to take away that I want to be Canadian. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it get the maple syrup bath. Yeah, yes, I love this idea. Get the cod. Uh, I you gotta kiss the toe. <laughs> Have a beaver tail, eh? <laughs> um, you gotta complain about Tim Hortons put in not being hot enough. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. mm, Tim you gotta Hortons. Gotta learn how to say a double double, eh? Mm, Tim Horton. We have ways to make you say a boot. A boot. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, yeah, I took There's like away. five people laughing. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah, like uh, five people five in the heartlands of the U.S. going, what, what the hell is wrong with Why did people? I listen to this for two whole hours? Five people. Five people are laughing to this. Four of them are us. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I can't listen to this anymore. It's gone Canadian. It's gone. The other one is Adriana. <laughs> Hi, Adriana. Uh, yeah. Um, now I, I've answered the question. I, I, I will. I will eventually. Um, no, I, I took away the same thing you kind of did, Chris, where I loaded up my uh, Amazon queue with a bunch of DVDs of stuff. A Continental Divide being a prime suspect of that. Like, I thought, did I have I ever seen that movie? I feel like I probably have, but um, th- those oft forgotten uh, parts of. I mean, I know I, I love like Man with Two Brains and again, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. The, like, oh yeah, uh, all of those uh, like Steve Martin uh, films I've seen. But yeah, Belushi's 
aside from Blues Brothers, 1941, uh, Animal House, like I, I, yeah, Neighbors I've seen a couple of times, but um, that's that's kind of what I was like. I need to see some of these movies. This is playing like the greatest hits, and I feel like I don't know the words to a lot of the songs, so I, I really want to yeah. to dive into those. Um, but but also the the other takeaway I had is I feel like I want like five separate books out of this. Like I, I felt like this was a great sort of digest of like the meniscus of everything, but uh, you know, that, that whole period of time that um, John Landis was uh, uh, dealing with the twilight zone um, trial. And at the same time, having to cut uh, spies like us and uh, being asked to come back and do uh, three amigos. And then there's all the tensions on set and, it seems like that is its its own story. I wanted a full book upon that subject or yeah. he needs to write like an autobiography. Cause I would read the heck out of that really just for the American werewolf. In yeah, London stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, yeah. uh, you know, in, in, I think it, they mentioned Steve Martin's, uh, memoirs and it's like, I want to go back and reread born standing up and, and all of these books that are able to sort of dive in and, and do more detail on all of these different subjects and, and things that happen in that period of time, because it's like, the, this is, this is a great primer. And then you want to go off from there and, and learn more about things. Um, and also the, the definitive Ghostbusters making of book has yet to be written. That's the other thing that I took away from that is, all right, we've heard the same stories over and over and over. Uh, tell me more. There's gotta be more in there, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, hopefully we'll get a, a lot of that out of the uh, documentary. When it comes yeah, to exactly. Up down. Exactly. Chapter nine, ladder place. <laughs> no, <laughs> ladder free zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going into the second edition of Troy's book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, proper uh, standards and practices of ladders. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... The Ghostbusters! Interdimensional crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. was a lot of fun guys i i'm sorry i, I kind of wish that you know i think we were spoiled by ghostbusters daughter being such a great first book for our, our book club uh and and this particular no, book i disagree this no is a, no this, this is a is great good. book it's just yeah it's different it's different it's very yeah different. It, and it and it evoked different discussion topics uh that's that's for sorry, sure my friend we've spoken for multiple hours <laughs> this is true over many computer true. failures on the part of one of us no um but uh before before we sign things off i did want to ask you guys about the fundraiser because uh you were kind enough to send us the ads and um uh, and and you auctioned off the the pack you raffled off the pack uh, how did it go is it still uh, going yeah. on it's still ongoing it's still going on in fact hello internet <laughs> i'm trying to say this all in one go 
And I'm here to tell you that the Ontario Ghostbusters pack raffle is still on. We are going to draw at Ben X. Wow, this is why I don't do this in one go. <laughs> uh, we're going to draw at Fanex, uh the 22nd to the 25th here in lovely Toronto, Canada. Please, if you have not already got your ticket, buy one, buy two, buy five, buy as many as you can. Thank you, and Godspeed. And, and, and wow, there, there's way to plug our charity. There's uh, <laughs> there's runner-up as prizes I say, too, Canada, right? Peace eh? out. <laughs> It's there are runner up Yeah, it's prizes, not just the yes. pack, right? You guys that that was the oh. yeah. Yes, we have uh, our collection of uh, now comics. We are going to have a whole slew of on-site uh secondary draw stuff. So the now comics and the pack, you don't even have to be there to win. We will mail them to you. Uh that but we're also going to have a whole bunch of stuff that if you're there when we do the draw, you can win these prizes. I, I love it. I love it. So uh, Ontario Ghostbusters uh, on Facebook. What, do you guys have a website too that the the draw is on? The Ontario Ghostbusters. Oh, it's OntarioGhostbusters.ca. .ca. What's the What's the charity for? So we're um, all our proceeds for um, all your lovely donations are going to a program here in Toronto called uh, Visions of Science, and they are a STEM uh, program for uh, children with limited access to. Um, science, technology, engineering, and mathematic clubs and camps. And they have a science fair at the end of every year so kids can show off what they've been working on. It, it's just a really great way to get kids involved in um, things that might shape their future or shape our future. Um, and it's just something that we were really passionate about, being a science fiction movie-based fan group. Yeah, We, we try to be cool. scientists yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, all your ugly donations go to Street Cats Animal Rescue. Nice. Ugly donations. Ugly donations. Well, you said lovely donations. <laughs> the oh. non-lovely donations. Yeah, the non-lovely ones go to, towards our animal rescue shelter. <laughs> oh, boy. But we're not here to judge you. We just want the money. I know, yeah, and it's for a good cause. And uh, I, I apologize that we didn't mention it up at the top of the show. So, um, yeah, uh, well, uh, we're never coming on this show again. Oh, please do. We love having you both <laughs> on the show, and uh, we'll have to find another book or another reason to uh, to spend a couple hours chatting. Um, I'm gonna go on a hunt. I'm gonna look find, for a new find book. Find us something. And and again, uh, I know that. What is it like talking to us when we're not sleep deprived? Well, that's the other thing is I need to reiterate to everybody that you are three hours ahead of us, and we record very late at night. So it's uh, 1 30 in the morning your time, right? Uh, so uh, you, I enjoy talking to you both when you're sleep deprived because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> go off on tangents really easy. Yeah, exactly. Everything is funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so thanks thanks to you both uh, for another fun book club. This this was great. We'll have to do it again yeah. very, very, very soon. Uh, and to all of you thank out there who was. Thank you both for having us. Oh, what? Well, yes, thank you. Our, our pleasure. That was great. And, and to all of you uh, out there who are listening, if you have thoughts on the book, please call the voicemail. Let us know, and uh, we'll play some of your thoughts on future episodes. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional CrossRip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh. Next week, though, Careless Pets. We're so cool.